Hey, everybody. This is Kim Blackwell. And Louis Extravaganza. And this is Work, Work, the podcast. Voices for the voices that go unheard. Like coffee talk. Yeah. Coffee talk where we talk about our daughters and our dogs. (laughs) (laughs) It's like butter. It's It's like like butter. butter. I'm like, remember when Madonna was on coffee talk? It was so good. That was great. That's when she was so carefree. Yeah, she used to be cute. She was. And she kind of started taking herself too seriously. too seriously. Did I ever see the story of Madonna? Like, we made out, she tongued me. Shut up. True story, swear to God. What? I was working for Spike, and we were in Chicago shooting a Nike commercial with Michael Jordan. And Spike was developing Malcolm X, and he wanted Madonna to play the prostitute in Malcolm X. Okay. Which was a small part, but right. still. Typecasting. So um, <laughs> she was in Chicago shooting a league of their own. Okay. Uh, Spike had set up a meeting and I was like, Spike, I have to be there. I have to meet her. I'm a big fan, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it ended up that we shot kind of late, so I wasn't able. But when I got back to the hotel, uh, one of the production assistants was like, yo, Spike and Madonna literally just left. If you run down the street, you'll find them. And that's exactly what I did. I ran down the street and I was like, Spike. He goes, oh, let me introduce you to Victor. He's uh, my production manager. And uh, I was like, I just want to give you a hug. I'm a huge fan. And I went in to hug her, and she put her lips on my lips and put her tongue in my mouth. I am not making that up. Damn. Spike was there. He was all, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) I was all, good to meet you. (laughs) That's how I met Madonna. Wow. Wow. So as you can totally hear, guys, we are speaking to Victor de Jesus, a Latinx television writer. And we're just kind of shooting the shit with, uh, with Victor and how he kind of came to realize his passion for writing and how it has developed over the years. Yes, and from coming from production, from a production background. Yeah, from a production Working with Spike, background. we're going to hear about all of that. Yes. Did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up? At, oh, absolutely not. You, did, you didn't? No. No. I had no idea. I was, look, I was one of those kids, jack, you know, a jack of all trades, a master of none. I mean, I knew things. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do or be even when I was in college. Hence why I went to three different colleges. That's what I was just going to ask, because I think I knew that about you. So you went to three colleges. Which colleges were those? I went to, uh, well, I got into all my colleges, first and foremost, because I was that Because he was not dumb, everybody. Yeah, he was not playing. Um, But I decided to go to Hofstra University because out of NYU or Fordham, they were the only ones that were giving me lodging. And I wanted to live on campus. I wanted that full campus experience, even though it was like out in Long Island. Right. Um, I still wanted it. So uh, I said, yes, I got in and, you know, don't put Victor in a college setting where (laughs) you can decide to do whatever the F you want. Yeah. Freedom. Freedom. And um, yeah, basically I was a C student because I had all this free time. I can do whatever I want. Right. You know, I can go to the bar and drink. I can hang out. Um, we can go to the library. The library wasn't a place to study. A library was a place to socialize because everybody would meet at the library. So it was that type of thing. <laughs> so I went from decent grades in high school to like I'm rocking C's in college. Yeah. Do you think that also is maybe because of that? Like you were such a serious student up to that point. It's like, you know what? I'm about to just. Yeah. yeah let off some know, steam. Right. I mean, you know, it's like and not only that, but I was there were only three freshmen at the university that had their own rooms. And I was one of the three. Really? Why? So it's because a party, they did a lottery and I won. Party Central. And- <laughs> yeah, so I was actually, I was in the freshman dorm for the first semester. And then after that, I won that lottery. And I had my, I, I was able to get my own room. So I moved up into the big towers and that's all she wrote. <laughs> I had my own room. So there was like a party and I used to smoke a lot of weed then. So there was that. Right. Yeah. And then I majored in television and film only because somebody said, yo, Vic, it's an easy A. You're <laughs> going to take those classes. It's an easy A. And I was like. So you had never thought about like this love of t- television and all of that, that that might no, be something. Right. You that yeah. you made Not that connection. Right. Okay. Was, no, I wanted the easy A. 
Right, right. <laughs> and I wanted to graduate. That's it. Wow, that's amazing. So I enrolled. I did all these TV film classes, and I loved every single one of them. Every one of them. The technical, you know, we had a studio on campus, so the three-camera setup, the technical thing. I directed a class of actors because we work with the actors, you know. I was just doing all that. I shot my first five-minute short film. I mean, I was just loving it. Now you know this is what you want to do, and now what? That's always the question. Like right. You go, okay, so now what do I do? Yeah, and fortunately for me, I went to school with Tracy Villar, and Tracy, she's an actress now, and um, at the time, she was interning uh, for Spike's 40 Acres and a Mule Filmworks. And Tracy and I, you know, we hit it off. We've been friends. We're friends to this day. And uh, she asked me, what are you going to do after you graduate? And in my mind, I'm thinking, again, because I don't think of careers in writing or directing because, you know, you don't see a whole lot of us doing that. I was going to work at the local cable company. Wow. In some executive capacity right. with my C's. And um, Tracy was like, oh, no, no, no. You are not doing that. You are too creative for that, Victor. What if I can get you an internship at Spike's company? I was like, if you can get me an internship, I'll do it. So I get a call two weeks later, and it's Spike. Because obviously Spike used to make his phone calls back in the day. And Spike was all, can I speak to Victor? <laughs> and I'm all speaking. He's all, oh, this is Spike, and um, I want you to come on down for an interview. Don't and tell me you hung up on him. Let me tell you something. I was so disrespectful <laughs> because I did not believe it. I thought of Tracy course. was. Who, how is Spike Lee just going to call you up right, right. on the phone? I thought Tracy like... was just messing with me. <laughs> so I'm all, okay, Spike, I'll see you at 10 o'clock. Oh, oh, my goodness. Just being ridiculously dumb and uh so after i hang up with him i call tracy and i'm all tracy spike just called me and she's all really what'd he say i'm all tracy yeah how long are we gonna do this right and she's like no that was spike and i was like oh my god i was so rude very very rude she's like well you know what you'll just fix it right so two days later, I trekked down to Fort Greene, Brooklyn, into his little firehouse, 40 acres in a mule. I'm dressed in a suit, shaved, clean, looking good. And the first thing I'm like, Spike, I want to apologize. You know, I just didn't actually believe it was you. He's like, it's okay. So we, he interviews me, asked about what I've done, what I'm looking to do. And I was honest. I was like, I have no idea, and, but I'm hoping that I can get answers here. And he was all, when can you start? I said, I can start right now. And he's like, cool, take out the garbage. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. <laughs> and I, I took off my jacket, rolled up my, my, my sleeves, and I took out all the trash. That's what I'm talking about. That was my first job. And I was like, you know what? I'll take out the garbage. I don't care. I'm lucky to be here. That's wow. motherfucking right. And I was an office PA. I was an intern first. And I interned on Jungle Fever. So that was it. He was in production on Jungle. He was in, in production on Jungle Fever okay, at the time, and I was the office uh, PA for that. I was interning at the time, and I also tell people that I was responsible for Halle Berry's Oscar win, and I'm gonna tell you why. Okay, yeah, because you have to tell us why. <laughs> on set, I would walk Halle out from the trailer to set, and you know she played a crackhead right in Jungle Fever, but she would wear this perfume and she would smell so good. And I remember telling her, Hallie, you're like the best smelling crackhead ever. And I think that's when she realized that if I'm in character as a crackhead and I'm looking all beat the fuck up, why am I smelling so good? The next couple of days, no perfume. So she took the note. Yes. <laughs> so let's see, what do we got here? We've got Madonna making out with you. Okay. <laughs> And you're responsible for Halle's Oscar win. Yeah. She... Now, Jungle Fever, amazing first project because, yeah. I mean, you have legendary actors, not just yeah. um, Anthony Quinn. Yes. Isn't it right? Anthony, Anthony Quinn. Anthony Quinn, Ruby D. Ruby D. Davis. Ozzy Davis. Lynette McKee yeah. was on that. I think um, Sam Jackson was in it. Sam Jackson. Yeah. Halle's big, you know, first break. Absolutely. Um, Wesley Snipes. Right. Who yeah. is Kim's bestie? Stop it. <laughs> Y'all go back like that? 
go back a little bit. Okay. <laughs> we go back a little bit. Not that far, but we go back like money train. And just being around that whole world. You know, look, quite honestly, if you work for 40 Acres, we call it the Acres. If you work for 40 Acres in a mural film works, it's film boot camp. You're there to learn. Right. And... I mean, Spike is there to teach you. And Monty Ross is producer at the time. I mean, you're, it's boot camp. So you're learning how to be a filmmaker. That's wow. awesome. And Yeah. And Spike is responsible for so many of these careers, you know, now. Yeah. Spike is responsible for a lot of those careers. Ernest Dickerson. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm, his, his, uh, his uh, uh, cousin. Yes. Malcolm Lee. Ruth Carter. Ruth Carter, who just won the Oscar. That's right. Yeah, he's responsible for so many careers. And it seems like he's really generous in that way. I mean, even teaching at NYU, just yes. being a real lover yeah. of film and filmmaker. And even, even when I was at the Acres, we would do a workshop. You know, Spike used to uh, offer these uh, weekend workshops for people in the community who were interested in careers in filmmaking, which is also good being that you're reaching out to people who don't you know, extraordinary. Know, know this world. Exactly, because as we talked about, a lot of people just don't know and I think also a lot of people don't know when you look at a film I mean the hundreds of credits it's not just being an actor or a director right. or there's just so many above the line below the absolutely. line there's so many people that are responsible for putting a, a, a movie together a TV show together yeah. I mean yeah and there's so many careers there there's so exactly. many things you could be doing yeah. so you spent how many years with Spike uh, three, three, four years. And what happened after Spike? Uh, well, what happened? Well, well, I, well, I was there. I was promoted to production manager on all his music videos and commercials. So I did the whole Nike campaign, the Levi campaign. We traveled the world. So, it, what does a production manager entail? Basically, it's a producer light. Okay. You know, uh, you're handling schedules, you're handling budgets, you're handling the crew. Um, you're one day ahead of everybody else. So if we're doing a whole Nike campaign and we're visiting five cities, I'm in city two before the crew gets there to make sure once they get there, everything is situated. So logistics. And yes. it's a lot because yeah. there are different departments. There's wardrobe department. Right. There's so, and, the and, lighting department. And everybody I mean, wants something. So I have to order, you know, this, the, the gaffer wants this particular lighting equipment. So I got to make sure it's there. Um, the costume designer needs this, so it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. But my Virgo ass loves that shit. Exactly. I definitely do think it's a certain type of personality who. Yeah. Who so, can I, do a job so I was like good that. with that. I yeah. was good at being in control. I had my clipboard. I was all boom, boom, boom. I was checking boxes. I was good. And they knew it, you know, yes. and that's why they kept me around. And are you writing at the no, time? No, please. Are writing you... was nowhere anywhere in my focus wow. i mean i was the producing thing was working okay um spike had opened up uh 40 acres in a mule music works a music label that lasted maybe two one or two years and i, I was also working in that capacity because i was doing the music videos and stuff and that's where i met ann carly who was assistant uh, uh who was a vice president of artist development at jive records and Ann recruited me. So I left 40 Acres to mm. work at Jive Records. Oh, she just poached you from And which was acres. fine because, yeah. you know, Spike was like kind of ready to let me go anyway because okay. he felt that he taught me all he could. Right. You know, so it was there. time for right. you to spread your wings yeah, and yeah. do something. You know, so when the opportunity at Jive Records came along and during that time, the Fushnikins, um, Tribe Called Quest... R. Kelly, you know, Angela Bofield. These were the artists that were over at Jive at the yeah. time. How long were you at Jive? That one, that ran for about two, two years. Was it a good experience? Yes. Everything about Jive was great. I realized that I didn't want to do music when I was right. there. Right. Um, even though I was good, you know, in the AD department, you know, I, I went on tour with High Five. You know, we, we did all these things. Yeah, it was such a different animal. Yeah, it was it was completely different yeah. from film. Yeah, you know, I was there, but I was missing the film uh, part of my life, and I had an opportunity to become an associate producer on this film called I Like It Like That. Um, yes. And Carly, who worked at Jive, was... Uh, one of the executive producers, one of the producers on the movie, so she brought me along with her. So One of my favorite films. I mean, God, I'm under a desk. I mean, <laughs> I can't. 
Alexis Lemmy. I mean, I came from my tits. <laughs> so many great lines out of that. So many great lines out of that movie. Yeah, the Latino directed uh, by a woman. Directed Darnell Martin. Yes. Yes. And that's a whole. That's and I credit Darnell for inspiring me to become a writer. So that's how that all started. That's awesome. Yeah. So basically, once we started developing, I like it like that. Darnell wrote the first draft, and she let me read it, and I was. You know, part of that whole um, process, you know, the, the development process, the script, you know, writing process, experiencing that with her and talking about the script and talking about character and talking about tone and talking about settings and just doing all that. I was like, yo, I fucking like this stuff, yeah. you know, and again, maybe the Virgo part of me is like, you know, you're building something from nothing. Right. right? You know, and um, and then, you know, you see every script, you know, she went through God knows how many versions of a script. And you're around for all that. You're reading all that. You're sitting at the read-through. You're experiencing all that. And I was like, yo, maybe I need to be this writer because I really love this. I you like it like that. I liked it like that. <laughs> 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 yeah. So it's like, I think that was, that was, and I think, I don't know if Donald knows this, and I'll definitely tell her when I see her, uh, but I think she knows that she kind of inspired me to become this writer. She and Rosie Perez, because me and Rosie wrote a movie together. Um, and that was interesting. Uh, but yeah, so that kind of inspired me. But I didn't, I didn't think I want to write movies since I love TV so much. I was like, I think I want to write for television. I think that's what I want to do. So I didn't go to, for school. Um, I didn't go to school for it. I picked up a couple of books, like that Robert McKee book called Story. I read this film, this book called How to Make a Good Script Great by Ellen Seeger or Eileen Seeger. Um, I pretty much read, got myself a final draft. Did you do the, did you actually do the class, Robert McKee? No, the no, story no, class? I didn't have money for that. No, <laughs> you know, you know who was in my class? Plus, you know, I didn't really like school. See, no, I get yeah. it was like a three day, it's a three day seminar. But you know who was in my class? David Bowie. Wow. No. Yeah. And Carol Burnett. Wow. What do you mean? Taking the class? Taking the class. Wow, that's dope. Yeah. We were outside like during a break and he's like, anybody have a light? We're like, it's David Bowie. <laughs> you said, yeah. let's dance. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. The book wasn't out at that time. So you had no choice. Yeah. I'm well, dating myself. Too. You know, the book hadn't come out yet. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't even remember. But I know I brought it and I read it from color to cover. And yep. some of it was confusing. But I was like, <laughs> I think I kind of get it. I think I can do this. I think the uh, How to Make a Good Script Great, the Seeger book was a lot much yep. easier, more digestible than, you know, Robert yep. McKee's book. Um, yeah, so I decided right then and there that I was going to be a television writer. What, I, didn't so what, know, I didn't know what that meant, <laughs> but <laughs> that's what I was going to do. I'm about to do this. Yeah. Okay. So what was your first writing project, foray? Well, the first thing I wrote, I wrote this half-hour thing called A Beauty Parlor. Original. A original okay. story based off of my mom and my aunt who worked in a you know, South Bronx beauty salon. And even as, as, as a youngin, you kind of remember hearing stories. Oh, yeah. Because, I'm sure you know, there was cast so of wrote, characters. Yeah. So yeah. I wrote that experience. I turned it into a half-hour. I showed Darnell, and Darnell was like, this is good. This is really good. I mean, you should be proud of yourself. You know, this is good. She gave me notes, and I was like, I finessed it. And back then, the Writers Guild here in L.A. used to have a contest, you know, send something in. And I sent that in, and I was a finalist. Wow. Your That's first amazing. thing you ever wrote. That's amazing. A finalist. And I swore, I was like, finalist? I'm going to win this thing. Right. Like, I knew that was going to happen, Cocky. you know. And I didn't win. <laughs> I was, but I was a finalist. And, right, because um, you probably also didn't realize there's probably like five thousand people who who knows. Yeah, but um, but I decided that that was enough for me to pack a car with my sister and my dog and drive cross country. Wow! And chase. I love how close you are to your sister because I'm oh, really yeah. close to mine as well, who also happens to be in production. Yes. So when you were talking about. You know, all that production work that you were doing is just... Yeah, you know, she knows She knows the world. She knows the, you know, yeah. you have to hustle. Yeah. 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 So you guys come out here together. Yeah, so we drove out here with not, no plan, really. Right. I mean, I don't, you know, I just knew certain people um, because I worked for Spike and, you know, I've had 
that experience, but no idea how to get in um, to become uh, a television writer. Um, and I gave myself three years. I said, if it doesn't work, I can go back to New York. I've, I've done the producing. I've worked at Jive. I got stuff to fall back on. Um, but I really wanted this. So I came out here and somebody said, well, the only way to really do it now is, you know, you enter a writer's program. Disney has one. Right. Um, Fox has one. You know, you just enter a writer's program. So I did. I entered every writer's program. And I wrote uh, a six feet under spec. That was what I presented. Um, And I thought it was decent. And everybody said no. No. Every letter I opened up was no, 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 no. And I yeah, was we like, should say these these writing pro they're super competitive. A lot of people. Yeah, but I was them. but I was a finalist. You were a finalist. Like, don't play with me. So, I, so I, I need to I like a I yeah. was a finalist. I, I drove cross country. Yeah. You're you, like, you, I'm getting ready. Where do I show up? You need work? to say yes. You say yes. <laughs> Where's my job? <laughs> but one writer's program did say yes. Okay. And it was the National Hispanic Media Coalition Television Writers Program that I've never heard of before in my life. It was brand new, but this woman I met at the time said, you should apply to this program. And I did. And I get a call. I'm at the Rite Aid. I remember that one. I get a call from one of the uh, executives, and they're like, hi, we'd like you to invite you into the program. We're going to fly you out to Albuquerque, New Mexico for six weeks. We're going to put you up, bed and breakfast. And all that sounds great, but I'm saying to myself, I just got to L.A. Why am right. I going to Albuquerque, New Mexico to write? And why is it in New Mexico? Yeah. There were so, que- right. so many questions. Okay. What were the answers to those questions? Well, the answers were <laughs> I'm still waiting. that yeah. you know, the, the film commission in New Mexico was blowing up. Okay. So they were able to fund half of this writer's program so that, that that way they can put you in the bed and breakfast and they feed you and you're out there and they give you a stipend. Oh, wow. So all of this sounded really good. And I remember talking to my sister and she's like, yo, they're giving you a stipend. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. paying you to write. Right. You know, so why wouldn't you say no? I was like, you know what? Everybody else said no. So these people said yes. So obviously they see something that nobody else saw. So I'm going to do it. So I did it. They flew us out to Albuquerque. They put us up at the Cinnamon Morning Bed and Breakfast, which was, I mean, the woman who ran that place can cook for the gods. And it was like the best six weeks of my life. I met, you know, there's seven of us, seven writers. A lot of us have gone on and we've done a shitload of TV, you know. Um, And that's where I met... Ed Bonero, who was the executive producer, showrunner on Third Watch. And after the program ended, he offered... And is he like he's working as a mentor? Yes, he was there for a weekend to kind of like mentor the writers. Right. And I didn't know who he was. Um, I met him that Sunday when he spoke to all of us. And um, when he said that he was the uh, showrunner, producer of Third Watch... I was like, oh, my God, I love Third Watch. I watch that show. It's New York. Right. You know, it's perfect, blah, blah, blah. So we hit it off. And um, once the uh, program ended, I get a call a couple of weeks later from his assistant to meet with him. I had no idea it was going to be a job offer. But I go there. And he's like, hey, you know, I responded to your writing. I loved your work. I got to meet you. Um, would you want to join the staff of uh, Third Watch? Amazing. And, and I was all, let me think about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we I was like, cocky. Yeah. I love it. I was I like, how do you even ask that question? Yeah. I was like, just say, give me the job. I was like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's and awesome. here I am on the Warner Brother lot. Yes. You know, um, it was just, it was so weird, you know, because you work so hard to get here. And I pull up on Monday and my parking space says Victor de Jesus. Oh my God, I've arrived. Yeah. <laughs> I took tons of pictures of it. It says Victor de Jesus. I mean, you know, you, you walk in through the gate and, you know, the guards. No, it's surreal, like, right? Yeah, it's everything. You, you, surreal. It's like, come on, you know, Bronx, Queens, Hollywood. Yeah. So it was, it was crazy. That was the start. Yes. So you're on staff and tell us what that means, like day to day. You're on staff as a writer. How, you're in a writer's room every day. Yes. What's like a week? Yeah, you're pretty like? much in the writer's room. Once, once the season starts, you're sitting in this room and, you know, the showrunner 
Uh, Ed Benero, the producer, they tell you what you know the character arcs are going to be, what the, sh- the the season arc will be, and then you come in and you pitch five story ideas. So everybody's coming in. There's like eight of us in the room. So you're pitching five story ideas for the season. So, is it competitive? Uh, yeah, it can be. Um, I you know, let me tell you something. I was a diversity hire. I came out of this diversity program. I was a diversity hire, but I n- at no time felt like the diversity hire. Because Charles Murray, a black writer, was in the room. Janine uh, was in the room, whose claws, if you watch on TNT now, that's her show. Right. Um, there was Angela Amato. You know, there were so many other women in the room. So I not for one minute felt like the diversity hire. Ed never made me feel like the diversity hire. No one ever made me feel like the diversity hire. And I came in because the Writers Guild was paying me to be on that show. It wasn't coming out of their budget. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's, that's a big deal. Right. You know? So the whole thing is if they invite you back, that means, and you come out of their budget, that means they really liked you. Yes. So Ed invited me back. So I did three seasons, you know, of, of Third Watch. So that's awesome. So basically you come in, you come with your ideas, you pitch your ideas. And at that time we were doing 24 episodes. So based off of the ideas, you're sitting in a room, you're, you're breaking stories. So you're doing act by act by act by act, and you're saying, okay, this is going to happen to this character in act one, boom, 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 act two, act three, act four, act five. And then everybody say, you know what, Victor? You go off and you write this episode. So you go off and you write the episode. You come back. Everybody notes your episode. You go back. You rewrite based off of notes. You come back, and that's it. You're done. The showrunner, the producer, if they decide to take a pass at it, they will. Uh, or sometimes they like it the way it is. And then you go off and you produce it. So now how is that, how does that work if you've gone off and written that episode? Is your name on the episode or is it still all the writer? Oh, no, no. You wrote the episode. And so so it's your episode. episode. It says on the credits, written by Victor When you watch it on TV and and the credit comes up, it says written by Victor. This is, I have it hanging up in my uh, bedroom. Wow. What did your parents say, feel about that whole moment? Well, Well, um... My dad passed before, and, you know, we didn't talk about that, but my dad was kind of also a catalyst of why I decided to, you know, pack my car and move to L.A. Because my dad passed in 98. I moved out to L.A. in 2001, uh, prior to 9-11. And, um, you know, just hearing my dad's voice and, you know, don't sell yourself short, you know, make sure you exhaust every possibility if you got a dream make sure you try anything and everything to get there so all you know those voices in my head made me want to just jump in a car and come to LA and at least try to realize the dream you know so my dad wasn't around for that my mom like still tried to figure out what business writing you know who does that and how do you do it and right. how does it work are they paying you for that yeah yeah really are you a doctor yet yeah <laughs> right weren't you like a business major at five <laughs> different colleges so she didn't get it yeah yeah until she you know she saw the 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 credit you right. know she's like oh this is real yeah <laughs> like this is a real job like and now well, she totally gets it yes you know but my mom didn't know who madonna was when i told her that i got this big fantastic gig with madonna get that out I was going how could she to... not know who madonna was yeah she didn't I, know at all are you no. serious Mm-mm. not even madonna that no. version of her no, no. wow because <laughs> no. <laughs> you know the latin mother la madonna <laughs> she she know nothing about her that's crazy nothing until you know i had to school her on who madonna was and she still well, I'm sure she found out very quickly and yes i mean she was <laughs> famous and then she went to ultra famous after right because you were there at a great time yeah in her that's career. when it just blind ambition right you into were that was, so yeah so when i told her you know this is what's happening she was like that's nice right when are you coming home <laughs> right i was like um I guess I'll be home in like a half two hour. two years? <laughs> well, I'm just coming out at the club. <laughs> that's, all she, that's all she worried about, right? Like, I yeah, made some dinner. Exactly. When are you coming home? When are you coming home? I was like, yeah. um... She's like, that's okay. cute, but... Yeah. yeah, so that must have been kind of like that when, you know, you yeah, told your but mom. Not, yeah, but not Madonna. Right. <laughs> that's huge. So when she finally realized it, she was like, oh, like, okay. Madonna. So you must have felt a little bit, I mean... It must have been a little bittersweet because I'm sure because you were close to your dad, you 
Oh yeah. Probably wanted him to be there. Yes. But to I see this. But, I know my you know, dad is watching yeah, me I mean, yeah, absolutely. every day. Yeah, absolutely. I feel him. I know he's there. And I know I know he's proud of the work I've done. Yeah. At least I hope I'm making him completely proud yeah. of the work I've done. But well, yeah, you know, I know he's he's a guiding force even though he's not here. So Yeah, that's like well, as you know as well, and you know, Tim, yes. you know, my yeah. father just passed away two years ago, and you know, I still feel his, you know, his presence. Yes. I still know for a fact that he is with me and my sister, and is, for lack of a better term, he's here with us. So, oh, Poppy yeah. Vic, yes, yes. So, Victor, when you first get on staff, cause I always wonder about this. Like, you're thrown into this, like. The real deal. Yes. Yeah. And you're breaking story. Are you intimidated at first? Oh, like, please. Throw I, your it, ideas. Are you just totally, like, no, I'm in it. No, no. I was intimidated. I was overwhelmed. Okay. Uh, I had ideas. Yes. I mean, I came in with my ideas and I threw them up on the board. Like, yeah. that was okay. Um, but, you know, these people have been in the room together for a while. Yeah. So, there's, they have their dynamics. So How long had the show been on when you joined the um, staff? I joined season four. Okay. Yeah. So, four or five. Yeah. So, it's been on for a minute, you know. Um, so you like the cast, everybody knows each other, even though we, you know, we uh, produced it in New York and we wrote in L.A., you know, um, everybody, there was, it was a family already. So it's like me coming in, you know, the adopted kid, you know, but everybody gave me the respect, you know, so I wasn't necessarily feeling like I was out of place. But it was a little intimidating um, because, you know, you have to prove yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's not easy work. It's not easy work. I mean, people like, I know people like, oh, I'm going to become a TV writer. Okay, do it. But it's not easy work. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about like 12-hour days. Yeah. You know. In the, in the writer's room. It could be. Yeah. You know. Um, or, you know, the script doesn't work and you guys have to start from scratch. And, you know, and we're producing this in three days. So you need to have a script ready in three days, you know. So, <clears throat> yeah. And at that point where they say, this isn't working, you guys need to have another script. That That's a collaborative effort yes well what happened was actually my my first script was that my first script was something was delivered it was not great so back then they used to call it gang banging you gang bang a script oh Uh, okay i don't you know we're hollywood is uh (laughs) yeah it's a little looser (laughs) right right now now we collaborate because you know it's me too so yeah we used to gang bang a script and um and i co-wrote my first episode with another writer there uh, because we needed a script fast. Yeah. So, uh, so that was my, my first writing gig was a co-writing gig with the story editor. So third watch, how long are you on staff? I did three watch? seasons of that. And is that, did you leave when the show actually ended? Well, no, the show was canceled. So it was canceled. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We had, we knew we had a couple of years in it left, yeah. you know, we could have, but there that was, was a long run though. So six seasons. There was a regime change, okay. you know, so that always happens where yeah. a new president comes in. They want to put a stamp on, you know, so they got rid of us, but they kept, you know, we were all John Wells show, but they kept the West Wing. They kept the ER. They kept the shows that won the Emmys. You know, right. Third Watch was never nominated for an Emmy, although yes. it was a great, great show. So they got rid of us. So what yeah. happens next? How do you get to your next show? Well, I was able, I got an agent. You know, uh, while I was writing, I was at ICM. So Tanya Lopez, who now runs Lifetime Movies. Wow. You know, so she was my agent. And um, so I had a couple of meetings um, set up and I was going to move on the show called Without a Trace. And um, that didn't happen because I had to go back to New York to deal with a family issue. And uh, my grandmother had gotten sick. And it was a lot of work for just my mom by herself. Right. Um, So I was out of the loop for a while and just being gone for a year is a long time in 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 you know hollywood right well especially when you know you're just getting into this momentum into the yes and that's very and it's very important once you have the momentum and the rhythm you know people see that yeah you know hey victor's done this he's done that he's done that you know well we want him to do this for us then so that was gone and so what year are you talking about when you left 2007 Okay, and so a lot of things were changing because yeah. I think right around 2006 there was a there was a writer strike. Yes, right. That all happened. Yep. Yeah. So that messed it up for yes. a lot of people. Even when I was in New York, I would come fly back to LA just to see what's going on, and then go back to New York. So there was all that that was right. happening. 
Um, so yeah, I was, I picketed, I was, you know, I, I did all that. And are you still writing at that time or are you just no into fa- the family? No, I was, thing? Still, I was even... still trying to attempt to yeah. write. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, you got to feed the pipe because something's got to come out at the other end. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, my grandmother passed. Um, and then I came back to LA and I was like, pretty much starting from scratch. That's what it felt like. Unfortunately. You know? I mean, that's the machine. Right. Plus I'm a writer of color. Right. You yes. know, and it's a little harder for us um, yes. to crack in to begin with. Um, and now I'm trying to crack in again, again, you know. And also, are you just strictly hour long? Or are you doing comedy? You writing? Then I was hour, only doing hour. OK. Yeah. And people knew me as the cop show writer. Right. You know, do you think that ha- does that tend to happen? You get pigeonholed like. There's yeah. A certain yeah. Genre or yeah. You know, people, I mean, right. come on. I was going on without a trace next, which was yeah, another, yeah, yeah. you know procedural cop show exactly so yeah so that happened so and i was okay with that i was like look if it's gonna get me a job it's gonna pay bills i'm fine right um so then i came and i reached out to everybody and they mama that i work with and i was like what's going on you and i finally called ed and i was like i know you're on on criminal minds and i know you can't bring me on staff because you guys are full but throw a brother an episode i'll take an episode you know and he's like, come in with three pitches. So I came in with three pitches. He loved all three. He asked me to pick one. And I picked the one that uh, I was closest to. Um, and I wrote that. And I still get residual payments for that one episode. Get the fuck out. And the residual payments are really good. <laughs> I, I mean, this is a testament. And this really speaks to, you know, it's who you know in, in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It yes. really is. It's brothers, you know, bringing other brothers up. I mean... Or sisters. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. You know what relationships. I'm saying? Your, yeah, your relationships are who you know yes. in Hollywood. And it's, it's very important. Uh, it's very important. And it I think really a lot is. of people look at that and they say, oh, well, nepotism, yeah, and we can't, you can't get a break if you're outside of it. But I think it's also speaking to what we talked about earlier. It's well, ne- ne- nepotism is people family. Wanna know, when you bring but in they family. Also know you can bring it. Like you, right. are, you have the discipline, you have the work ethic to do what it takes like yeah. you're in a room or you're on set for hours yeah you know they want to know your and I mean Ed, Ed knew I was a good writer Ed knew yeah. that I could pull off a script Ed knew that I could do a Criminal Minds exactly. you know and um, yeah so I, I wrote it and to this day like the my episode is topical because it deals with immigration you know it's on the border a serial killer on the border you know killing people who are trying to cross or who've crossed and half the times these people you know, no, nobody knows who they are. You know, they're nameless, faceless people, and we're not going to care. And I decided that I'm going to put a Puerto Rican cop <laughs> who retired from Brooklyn in Terlinga, Texas, because that's where it took place, and she cared. Yeah. She cares about, you know, these people, you know, I've gone missing. I've heard these stories. And and then the story, you know, if you watch the episode, we, we get that. So basically you're way ahead of your time. Yeah, I was, you know, I was talking about immigration. Well, immigration has been a problem. Not a problem. I mean, I say that, but it has been on the forefront for a long time. You know, we've been talking immigration. So just to summarize, because I love this story. I love this journey of Latinx gentleman from, you know, boy from the Bronx, Queens. C's get degrees, knucklehead. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Who kind of didn't have this focused path finds his true calling and he follows it all the way to Hollywood into one of the more, you know, prestigious writing rooms in in Hollywood. And still finding my way. You think so? Yeah, and still experiencing, you know, I was a, I, I was a cop show writer and right. then I decided to, you know, write something completely different. I wrote something called Echo Parque, which dealt with the gentrification of, you know, Echo Park here in, in California. And I made it a half hour. And then that got me a job on Smilf, you know, which is different from all the cop stuff that I used to write. Right. I mean, what is Smilf? Smilf was a comedy, right? Yeah, Smilf was a half hour comedy. It was on Showtime. It ran for two seasons. And then off of my Smilf, you know, credit and Echo Parque, you know, I get in, you know, I get to work with Tanya Saracho on Brujas, you know, this new thing she's developing with stars. And that's a half hour world, too. So, you know, I went from just writing the procedural cop stuff to writing stuff that's a little more crazier. (laughs) Now, I just went to 
this premiere of something you were also writing on. What was it called again? Yes, uh, we shot this pilot presentation called El Asasino. And yes. basically... The Assassin. The Assassins. And it's these two cousins from East L.A. who inadvertently become assassins. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of a dark comedy. And um, it's like, do you watch Barry on HBO? It's kind yes. of Barry meets something that, you know, the Coen brothers would do. Right. And um, if the Coen brothers were Mexican. If the Coen <laughs> were, yeah. Or Latinx. Or Latinx. So, uh, <laughs> Latinx. So, uh, so we decided that, you know, we have the talent. We have the crew. Let's not wait for somebody to give us permission to shoot this. Let's shoot it. And then we'll take it out. So that's what we did. We shot the pilot presentation and we're in the process of taking it out um, to the networks and to the streaming platforms and to whoever will, you know, will see it. That's awesome. So we'll see. So I do want to say, yes. since we brought up the Latinx, because yes. I think I said Latinx, I got all black. But <laughs> what? The Latinx? Y'all Latinx? Y'all Latinx? <laughs> Are y'all Latinx? <laughs> Being a writer of color, yes. there's a lot of black actors who feel a type of way about so many black Brits playing Americans, mm -hmm. you know, take, you know, all the American roles. We can go way back. Tandy Newton, you know, Chadwick Bose. And there has definitely been a history of that with the Latinx yes. community. Yes. You know, most famously, probably Jennifer Lopez playing Selena, who she's Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. Selena was Mexican. La Bamba, you know, I don't, mm. the two main characters, none of the, neither was Mexican. No. I don't think Lou Diamond Phillips is even. He's Filipino. Yeah, yeah. Filipino. Yeah. And Morales. Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican. So when you're writing something, I say you're writing something like that, the role where it's a Puerto Rican Border Patrol agent, mm -hmm. is it important for you to have that person be Puerto Rican? Do you, you know, is it an issue if you got uh, a Cuban actress playing a Puerto Rican actress or? No, I mean, I personally don't take issue to any of that. I think, you know, Latinx um, actors should play Latinx roles. Correct. Yes. You're happy to see yes. the representation. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what I might take issue with is if Jennifer's playing a Mexican and if she's going to say dialogue in Spanish, that the accent should be authentic. Right. You know, because Puerto Ricans and Mexicans, when we speak Spanish, it's a different, it's dialect. a different thing, right. you know? Um, and so that kind of takes me away from what I'm watching when I'm like, oh, that's not a real Puerto right. Rican accent. You know, yeah, and it's easy. I mean, you get a dialect coach on set, you know, and it's like anything when you know when you're playing an aristocrat, you got to speak a certain way. So, um, so that kind of takes me away from it. Uh, it's not a huge deal, but it can be, you know. So there's that. But Raúl Julia said it, you know, before he died. He's like, I'm just gonna paraphrase. Uh, he basically said that um, anyone can play any role, you know. So long as we Latinos are given the opportunity to play our roles first. Yes. Um, and I think that should be the case with any ethnic absolutely. background or ethnicity, I should say. Oh, absolutely. my God. Yeah. You right? look at these old like movies in the 50s and 60s and you see these white characters playing like Japanese or whitewashing like, was yeah, whitewashing like, was popular then. Yeah, Mickey Rooney playing like unfortunately, whitewashing <laughs> is still popular now. Yeah. So lastly, I want to talk about your advocacy for Latin writers in the business, because you're I feel like you're very involved in getting that voice heard. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, it beckons back to me not seeing our images, you know, as a youngin on TV. And to this day, we've made some movement, but not enough. How many films star Latinx actors? Can you count blockbusters with Latinx actors? Latinx actors. Um, and we Latinos watch a shitload of TV. We go to the movies all the time. So why aren't we represented on the screen? You know, I think we've had, we have more movement in TV. You know, there's a couple of, you know, one day at a time, even though it was canceled. But Vida's on right now. Vida got picked up for season three. Tanya's doing other things. Um, Hentified is going to be on Netflix. Um, Grand Hotel is on TV now with all, all Latina, Latinx cast. Um, there are a couple other things happening. But, you know, in terms of, like, movies, where are we? But you, don't, you, don't, you don't see how, you know, okay, we got Jennifer. Can you name one big Latinx movie star? 
the fact that there's a pause is scary yeah as yeah 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 <laughs> so you know so what do you think needs to happen with what would you like if it was if well it's were, one of those things where the studios are like but these latinos are still coming to see these movies so what do we have to fix right you know i think you have to let you know these people realize even if it comes down to boycotts you know boycott a movie or two and we did that paramount recently we wanted them to sign an agreement to at least add latinx executives you know to uh the studio uh and they kind of fought us on that like come on man it's like 2019 and now recently they they said yo yeah we're gonna sign it so they finally signed it um but we were ready to boycott we were i mean we were protesting we did a lot of marches i mean we protested in front of um paramount studios a couple of months back um you know we're gonna get our voices heard because representation matters especially when there's no real excuse to it as you said there is you don't see movies it's and the same thing was you know the argument was being made against why we don't make black films and then Get Out came out, mm-hmm. and then Black Panther came out, and it's like, okay, you, right. you, you can't keep saying that. The argument oh, was black like, people don't, they don't make money. Right, and, and yeah. plus they don't make money internationally. You know, we right. can't sell it internationally. And now they're like, oh, wait, Black Panther worked. Right. Oh, wait, this works. Yes. Yeah. What do you say to, you know, the young person coming up who wants to be a writer who is of color and maybe an alternative lifestyle what do you say to them to you know inspire them to follow their dreams uh first of all i mean what i would say to them it's it's not impossible is the first thing i would say and then b would be like here's my number whatever you need call me talk to me you know because i didn't have that you know Uh, i go and talk to high school students about careers in television writing because i didn't have that you know you gotta let these kids know that this is a job it's a real job. And if your creative ass wants to do something other than sit in somebody's accounting office, you can do this. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I would say, here's my number. You know, you, you know, call me whenever you want and we'll talk about, you know, your script. I'll read your script. You know, right. we'll, we'll work together. Well, we're not going to reveal your number on <laughs> this podcast. But, but you we will can say tell, work on all of that. Yes. That's amazing. You can let's give them a place where we, they can at least message you. Where can they message you at? Uh, anyone can email me at V De Jesus one eight zero one at Gmail dot com. And of course, follow you on your Instagram. And right. Uh, Frugal Vic. Okay, so uh, what is that handle about Frugal Vic? Because Vic, cheap? No, no, I'm no let's, let's talk about because frugal is different than cheap. Yes, no, it right? is. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's break it down. Frugal is that uh, I rather spend my money on experiences than spend my money on material stuff. Okay. Yeah. So they so, can reach out to you on Instagram at Frugal Vic. Frugal Vic and Twitter is also Frugal Vic. They can reach me there. Well, I love the fact that he loves spending his money on an experience. I'm with that. Thank you so much for coming and speaking to us. It was completely my pleasure. Yeah, it was awesome. And again, you can follow Vic and reach out to Vic at Frugal Vic on his Instagram. And that's also his Twitter. Reach out to him. He has a lot of knowledge and a lot of just sage advice for all you young writers coming up. And before we leave... We have our work of the week. Tell them what work of the week is, boo. Work of the week is just, you know, something that you felt like really spoke to you. It could be a TV show. It could be a fabulous meal you had. It could be an experience. Something that just made you say a external or internal work. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you might have said it out loud like work or it could just make it inside like work. Yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, so you want me to share my work of the week? Work of the week. Here, we, you, you don't have to, to go first. Yeah, yeah. I can, can go first. Yeah. I can start. Um, so this week, um, and it's only because you reminded me of it. I just, I, I love gathering my work of the weeks from our, you know, the people that we speak to. The My work of the week is actually for my sister Mika, who is in production. Mm-hmm. And she has been on a roll lately. So, work, Mika. You better go have with your bad self. Yeah, she, she's been busy. <laughs> she's been working. Yeah, she's been working it. So, you go, girl. We okay. love you. 
Oh, are y'all looking at me? Yeah. Okay. Looking at you. Yes. Okay. I'm still trying to figure out my work. Work of the week. Susie Cakes. I don't know if y'all have been to oh, Susie Cakes. Yes. Oh, yeah. And not only is the are the offerings fantastic, but I just love the vibe in there. It smells fantastic. It's so beautiful. All the baby blue and the pink. And the staff in there is always so pleasant and wonderful. What did you buy? Well, I got a carrot. I got a piece of carrot cake, and my girl was like, "You know what? I cut the I cut the first piece too small. You go, you take this second piece of cake, girl." Yes. Wow. So I got two pieces of carrot cake. Wow. For the price of one. I love it. There's yeah. celebration. That, that deserves a work. Yes. Yeah, that, I know Frugal Vic is gonna give work. that a work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, their celebration cake is one of my favorite birthday cakes to get. Shout out to Susie Cakes. Ooh, what yeah. is the celebration cake? cake and tail is that blue one the it's, blue frosting thing? yeah they had oh, yeah. like that tiffany blue frosting on the outside and it's confetti cake on the Ooh, inside work. and can i tell you it's everything in a bag of chips <laughs> so uh yeah i'm jumping on miss kim's work of the week and you know giving that you know like it's a platinum, double work yeah that's a double work <laughs> it's a platinum work it's a platinum work <laughs> for miss Susie cakes a, a confetti work yes. yes the carrot is amazing and the celebration cake is okay. fabulous all right well i think um my friend seleni leva who plays uh gloria mendoza is in town she's from new york uh, she, you in town. on she on orange is a new black and I hung out with her yesterday, and this deserves a work because we were hanging out. And we were talking about how we need to um, put our East Coast and West Coast Latinx talent together. Yes. So uh, we decided that we're going to have a little brunch thing at her place while she's here. So we're going to do that and introduce each other um, to one another. Um, so pair producers with writers, writers with actors, actors with podcasters, just do all that. And afterwards, we, we were like, yeah, this is a great effing idea. So that deserves a work. work. Yeah, that definitely deserves a work. Do the black? Do do I get to come? Because my grandmother's Mexican. I don't know if y'all. All of us. All of a sudden. (laughs) Maybe of course you come. I have the receipts. Her last name was Garcia. Don't try it. (laughs) I have the receipts. I have the receipts. Yes. Can I tell you? And this is an official invitation for her to come on our podcast. We would love. To talk to her and get her yeah, views and on she's got yes. a wealth of knowledge as well. She's been in the game for a minute, so that's awesome. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, ladies yeah, and we know you have a long way home. So. Yes. Okay. <laughs> let me let me get on that bus. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he lives in the building, y'all. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, y'all. My name is Lewis X. Kim Blackwell, and this is Work, Work the Podcast. The podcast.